Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here in Old Town Rock Hill and Millstone Pizza. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Trevay. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of small town USA. Sorry, we count it off? Okay. Yeah. I don't worry. A lot of the times on the show, we've talked about how the internet has made it so that it doesn't matter where you live and you don't have to go somewhere for work. Work is wherever you are because of the basic concept of like telecommuting or, or whatever or you know working working from home which used to mean you were like a telemarketer or something. Now, you know, it's this pretty much any career. Well, you know, if it's digitally oriented, you can do from home. And we've pointed out a lot that that means you know you can pretty much go live anywhere but we've never really talked about the flip side of that and what human interaction means and you know is all that while it's wonderful that it means we can go live in whatever we feel like living and then work does it also mean this like demise of basic human interaction in the workplace or wherever it was actually spurred on by I uh I'm not gonna lie, it's like I read this book, I listened to it because I listen to audiobooks while I work. So uh, that counts as reading. It counts as reading. That counts as reading. I, I ear read a book called Imagine How Creativity Works by a guy named Jonah Lehrer. And um, he talked about how, you know, sort of the, the internet, a lot of people theorize that that the World Wide Web would be the death of the, the city and the, the sort of metropolitan group of people because of for the reason that we said, you know, the, the access. Um, and how that didn't happen, and cities are, are growing, and so that that got me to thinking. You know, what does that mean? You know, and like how we're and and the idea of of those two. Even in his book, it's presented as those are two separate ideas. If we have access to each other, then that means that cities will die. Well, it doesn't, and therefore cities won. You were wrong, and it doesn't work that way. You know, and um, it, his book is it, the language of the book almost sort of feels that way. It's like this triumphant. Uh, the city's it, man versus machine and the machine lost um, and there's a lot of there's truth to what his book talks about he follows David Byrne actually from the Talking Heads uh, talking about how his Talking Heads <laughs> talking about um, living in New York City and, and in his beautiful house in his beautiful his house with beautiful his beautiful wife, wife yeah. that turned out was not right it's not well, he yeah. said it's not yeah. he said so he went on record yeah, um, but yeah David Byrne talks about just you know the energy of living Around people and what how it informs what he does creatively and how it's kept it's kept him from becoming stagnant as an artist. Um, and then the book really goes into that the idea of how groups of people together is most conducive to creativity and energy and stuff. Um, but well, what's your not opinion? only I think not only did um, did it, I wouldn't even say those things are independent ideas. Um, I would say that the growth of of cities and the kind of urbanization. Especially of smaller towns and stuff is is a you know a, because of not in spite of but because of the connectivity that things like the internet bring. I mean, right now I, I've got this idea about. And I'm sure it's not a completely original idea. I'm sure other people thought of that. How cool this would be too. But what if we connected all the urban centers in the state of South Carolina with high-speed tra- passenger rail? Like, what if we connected Rock Hill, Greenville, Columbia, and Charleston with high-speed passenger rail? That connectivity, that technology that generates connectivity would make each of those urban centers grow, right? Right, right. Because of the economy that would flow back and forth. Well, the internet's the same way, man. You know, it it makes 
each place where people would gather more of a powerful place than it could have been if you just gathered there and only had the there to gather in and not that that also increased your connectivity to the world. Like I like to say, it takes a village and the planet and the globe, like it's both. It takes a village and the globe. And actually becoming more global has made us more local. It's made us more village centric. You know, Socrates said a very long time ago, I think it was like in 1925. <laughs> That's a long time yeah. ago. No, but Socrates said in, in ancient times that, you know, it's attributed to him, of course. I have an audio recording of it, actually. And, um, he said this before the internet. No, he actually put it on the internet. Oh, okay. He put it in, it was on Facebook. Yeah. I'm friends with him, Oh, dude, boy, totally. it was old. <laughs> but dude, take that, Zuckerberg. <laughs> Socrates, in his flip-flop, said, I am a citizen of the world. I think, at least it's attributed to him, or maybe Plato, or one of those guys, I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. But um, anyway, the point was that at that time in history, to have the perspective that I'm in a, I am in a village, I'm in a city, I'm in a you know urban space, yet I'm connected to urban spaces all over the world. I'm connected to the world at large. It's incredible, and I think that the the connectivity driven by the internet has rebirthed a lot of those. It's it's inherently woven into the way we. Uh, you know, the revitalization of urban spaces across the country. It's all the same phenomenon, you know, because you don't have to, I mean, you know, I worked from home. When I started Revenflow, I did it out of my house. But after a while, I went insane. I needed proximity to people. I needed interaction, I needed human interaction. But yet Revenflow wouldn't exist if we didn't all get together and then tap into the connectivity that the internet provides to make money come from other places to Rock Hill so that we can all have salaries. You know? Yeah. Now maybe it's you know it's to the point of that 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 book and Jonah Lehrer's idea of, of like I said it's pretty clearly stated in that book it's like you know haha this isn't the death of the, of the big city you know but it, it may not be the death of the big city but it may actually breathe new life into the small city is what sort of what it comes down to. Yeah, I completely agree. And the big cities grow cities that are built around the village concept. You know, you look at. I've seen this thing, it was a TED Talk, and God, I wish I could remember the guy, so I'd give him credit, but... It, Martin Moore. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was actually um, Roddy Piper, he's a rowdy guy, he's a rowdy guy, but he was... Uh, it, he barely finished this TED Talk. Yeah, he barely, I mean, after the chair to the TED. <laughs> um, so anyway, looking at the map from above, looking at Paris and uh, towns in Germany, uh, cities in Germany, and then oh, New York. God. It was, it was God, yeah. So anyway, they gave him uh, 24 minutes <laughs> out of respect. But um, anyway, um, it showed the city broken down into circles that were a mile across. A mile in, I guess, would either be diameter. That within that circle, there was everything that you would that you would interact with. There's a place to live. There's like your place where you go to for medicine. There's the, you know, the bar. There's the grocery store. There's a, so uh, those cities are basically... A bunch of villages crammed together, and then you get into like uptown New York, and it just becomes a little less that. But that's why it feels so big city. Then you go outside of that, and it becomes these villages again. You see that in in the greatest cities, and that's why they never. I mean, some of these cities that were built on kind of 1950s America, of like expansiveness and strip malls and skyscrapers and stuff, 
are really struggling with this reurbanization of the village because they don't have village environments. Look at what Charlotte had to do. Uptown was almost an impossible equation until like North Davidson and uh, South End and all these uh, villages sparked up. Now they're trying to, they've created a little village in, in downtown on Tryon as well, in Charlotte. You know? The idea of the edge city, like that's been happening, you know, even recently. It's like there were cities that aren't really cities spring up that are near the cities. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of the worst of both worlds. The suburban um, proximity, but also like the um, the prefab nature of like you know strip malls and stuff. I wonder if suburbia could be um, will be trans. You know, there's a lot of people saying suburbia is the next ghetto. Um, you know, I hope. You know, obviously, I naively hope there's not any ghettos. There will be, but um, it sounds pretty robocopy. Yeah, it does actually. Very Robocop-ish. Yeah, I think it's esque. Yeah, Robocop-esque. Robo grammatically correct. Robocopy sounds like a, a like a print store. Or you copy, you have an extra <laughs> one. Yeah, you have a copy. Um, but anyway, um, suburbia um, could potentially be. It could be reborn after it goes through a ghetto phase. Maybe it could be reborn in some type of um, little village way. Like if if. The urban areas revitalize enough to have that kind of gravity around them to pull in communities, then they could get revitalized into villages. The problem is, a lot of those houses in those clear cut kind of uh, lower income suburbia things are so, you know, I don't want to say poorly built. I mean, it's not that the people are doing a bad job, it's just intentionally built out of relatively inexpensive material and stuff, and a good storm might blow them all over, right. you know what I mean? The implications of like the information age or whatever on small towns, I mean, it actually, I mean, it definitely goes beyond uh, just this idea of access and being able to work from home. I mean, it's in the same way that it affects everything. It's you know, in the way we, and that the idea that that book was talking about of the way people interact and sort of the energy of that and the fruits of that, um, that has been greatly changed. Even you know, even just not only by the definition and by its like shape. And, and how it moves by that, like I said, in that literal sense of like people being able to go physically be anywhere, the way that the city works now, the way that the culture of a bunch of people together is so changed by it in other ways, that that greatly affects small towns, you know, and even very small towns. I mean, it, it's weird to point out, it's, it's hard to go somewhere where people don't sort of talk about Facebook all the time, you know, and, or whatever. It is changed, and in a lot of ways it's not, though. I mean, I agree with you, but it's amazing how certain things persist. I mean, like, Shakespeare will never go out of style because just the human, you know, I don't know, uh, existence or condition is Yeah, it's so pretty, elemental. It's yeah, so distilled. Exactly. And so, you know, actually it's funny. When, when we do work for folks um, doing social media-style work and we push all, the notion of authenticity in what we do, you know, I constantly find myself having the conversation around that social media is actually more similar to traditional kind of uh, sales marketing like in other words the folks who kind of go to the chamber and hang out and sit at a table and have conversations and network and know people in the community who are who were daunted by the introduction of the internet because it's like whoa whoa, whoa that's not how we do business you know we make friends we make personal relationships you know we, we engage people in conversation we ask about their family and yet it seems to be that a lot of those folks are the ones who are most adverse to 
social media, yet social media is about engaging, uh, you know, having touch points with people. Uh, it could be about being authentic. I know it's perverted a lot of times, but into being, you know, just push a, I don't mean perverted in a no, sexual No, sense. no, it's, I'm sick of all this perverted <laughs> social media, no, and no, I'll go ahead I and mean, say it, Jason. I mean, it's the, too much perverted stuff getting on the Facebook. <laughs> just the other day I saw, I, and my, these kids are posting all this perverted stuff. I mean that it's warped by people's uh, agendas to, you know, uh, make money and stuff. So, but in, in general, it's authentic and about interacting with people in a social way, and which is most similar to the kind of going to the chamber, meeting people, going to an event, networking, hanging out. And so, you know, I think it's funny that a lot of times what we perceive as being kind of anti-human is actually oftentimes facilitates way to be extremely human. Right. You know what I mean? And it's not a disconnect. Right. Now, there's there's weird things about social media where people find ways to have negative things, just like we do in our everyday lives as right. well. You know? and that, I mean, that comes down to the basic idea that it's it's natural for us to... When technology, you know, whenever there's a new technology, there's always this reaction to it on some level that's like, oh, well, that's kind of scary, and that's kind of like... Yeah, that's not human. That's like there's some reason to fear it or whatever. And the thing is, is there's a strange kind of magical gap that we make where we forget that we made that thing, and that was made by people because of something that people do. And that's we can't we can't. These aren't alien devices, you know. I mean, these are things that we made. These are products well, of us. I don't know that dude with the really cool hair. That's the ancient alien oh, the, theory. The ancient alien guy. Yeah, yeah. The, you know the guy I'm talking about. His hair is he cool, wears, man. Like, Three-piece suits and has crazy yeah. hair. Cool. No, cool's the word. He's cool hair. He has got cool <laughs> hair. He's gosh, he's got cool hair. Yeah. But you know, he might say that they are alien uh, inventions. I forget about that. So, but if we if we if we don't we don't have. You know, proof on that one. So we have to say that logically, we we make these things, and they're they're they're, they're us. Have, you know, we have Zuckerberg. He's definitely alien. Right. He is actually an alien robot. <laughs> a robot. He is an alien robot. All right. So I think we, like every podcast, have pretty much solved all the problems around every question that we brought up, and um, therefore, <laughs> the world is a better place because we talk. Um, <laughs> And so I guess I'll just leave it at that and say that uh, we'll solve all of the other problems next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>